Aaron's Radio Show. Very nice, very music, very cool. I like it. Coming to you almost live from Berkeley, California. It's Aaron's Radio Show, the podcast. With your host, Aaron Gobbler. Thanks, Jake. And welcome, everybody, to episode 14. You're listening to the podcast version of My Three Songs, a show where my guest provides three selections, and we talk about why those songs are meaningful to them. The podcast version features full interviews, but includes no licensed music. To enjoy the original version with music included, please visit our website, aaronsradio.show, where you can stream every episode. If you wish to be a guest on the show, please complete the short survey on the My Three Songs page on our website. Now here's the show. Welcome to My Three Songs, where I play three special songs chosen by my guest, and we talk about why they chose each song. Today, my guest is someone I've literally known my entire life, my sister, Ellen Gobbler. Hi, Ellen. We go way back, don't we? Uh, pretty much. There is the overlap of our childhood experiences and exposure to whatever mom was listening to on the turntable while she kept house. Mm, Simon and Garfunkel, James Taylor, the Beatles, the Mamas and the Papas, Peter, Paul and Mary. And then, of course, uh, dad's love of all things, John Philip Sousa. Now, I, I want to thank you for being on my three songs. And I know you've been thinking about being on the show before. Um, what finally made you decide to take the leap? Gil. <laughs> okay. Now, it can be a motivator. <laughs> it can be a motivator. Now, actually, it took me forever to pick out three songs. Um, it's not fair, you know? Like, who knew it would be so tough? I think I could list, like, I don't know, 15 to 20 on my desert island list that would never fail to entertain me. So picking three was really a painful experience. And like desert island is an expression. I think both of us had heard through like a radio station in Philadelphia, desert island discs. And uh, can you explain to our listeners what that is in case they don't get that concept? My understanding of it is if you were uh, left on an island and you had only several songs that you could listen to and never hear any other music, which songs would you select? Because you would be hearing them a lot. So like ones you would, yeah. So ones you would never get tired of and would at least take your mind off the fact that you were stuck on a desert island. I suppose. Although, you know, you never know these days, it might be good to be stuck on a desert island. <laughs> uh, yeah, I hear you. Um, so before we get started, tell me like, how does music fit into your life? Like, uh, do you listen to it on a whim or is it a key part of your normal day? Um, or is it like mostly in the background? Perhaps I'm not overwhelmingly sonically curious or as a listener, not always looking to expand or stretch my musical intake past my comfort zone, which might be perceived as narrow, but maybe I'm underestimating myself. Mm -hmm. I see music as more of an audible security blanket or as connective tissue in the moment. So I listen a lot of the time for the effect of a calming or familiar song. Sometimes it's a voice that just resonates or melodies that are interesting or remind me of a time of happiness or joy. Then classical mellow jazz or acoustic folk can also do that for me, even if I don't know who the piece or who the artist is. Do you, do you like select a particular thing, type of music to listen to at certain times when you're in a certain uh, mood or mind space 
Um, or do you just like have a favorites list that has a variety of things? I think I have a library of music that I go back to all the time because it's comfortable and it's older music that also was created in a time that was maybe less complicated in the world and also just in life in general. You know, I would say that 90% of the day I have a song on repeat in my brain. So mm-hmm. I generally have some sort of music playing in the background in the car or in the house or Larry does. Um, and some are quieter just because I can get things done while I'm listening to them. But then I also have music I play intentionally loud, like Beck or Wilco or the Jayhawks, Neil Young, Elvis Costello, Buffalo Springfield, Steely Dan, and of course the Beatles, just because there's a certain amount of joy in listening to something loud. So it it really depends. Yeah, I'm just, I'm I'm thinking of the uh, David Bowie album, uh, Ziggy Stardust, on the back of the cardboard sleeve it says to be played at maximum volume so i just made me think that there is some stuff that can bring us a certain energy just by being played at at a higher volume one thing that i think also is is kind of essential to this conversation is that the history of listening and how uh you know when classical music was first performed it was performed and people talked and drank and made noise. And it was almost like when you go to a bar to hear a band, um, that's the way classical music. I mean, we think of it as being this pure experience of uh, sitting in a, a dead silent room and, and watching people perform. Uh, but it didn't start that way. And, and so I think the fact that when we would listen to the radio in Philadelphia at WFIL and, you know, that, that radio was, kind of this central element in in what we heard and what our diet of listening was. And then we were going to the record store and it was so precious because you were buying this experience was to buy a record and then you brought it home and you put it on your record player that it was this whole experiential thing. Mm -hmm. Whereas I think right now music is so accessible, so easy that maybe it's, it's, I don't want to say disposable, but that it's just, much less precious. Uh, yeah. So the novelty, it's more functional and, and the, it's not as, uh, the whole experience, like you said, the whole tactile experience of, of t- taking the, the plastic off of the sleeve and, you know, taking the record out and putting the needle down and, and all that. It's, it's, uh, it's less experiential and, and more just like, uh, I like this song. We're just going to play it. Yeah. And you and yeah. I both, witnessed the birth of the music video. So from that perspective, that was also another threshold that was crossed as far as how one would consume music um, and that it now had a visual aspect to it. Um, not always great, but right. <laughs> uh, it did present a whole different listening experience. So I yeah. think that we each have our own, what we bring to our listening experience and what we're expecting from it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also, I, I think in, in some ways consumption of music is a slightly more generational divide now than there was in the past. But, you know, I'm just speaking from my own experience and, and, and my likes and dislikes. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ellen, you selected three great songs, and I'm going to list the titles and artists, uh, and then we'll experience each song and talk a bit about it. So the first song is Pretty Mary Kay by Elliot Smith from 2000. Uh, second is Shotgun Down the Avalanche by Sean Colvin, which is from 1989. And then we'll finish up with Message to My Girl by Split Ends, which was from 1984. So I found this an interesting set. I mean, you and I have listened to a lot of the same music over the years, um, but I only knew of um, one of these songs, and I'm eager to hear your stories about them. So uh, first, let's take a listen to Pretty Mary Kay by Elliot Smith. Hello, podcast listener. To experience this episode with music included, please visit our website, aaronsradio.show, where you can stream all episodes. You know, Ellen, I'd never heard of Elliot Smith before I listened to the song. Thank you for including it in the, in the list. I found there are a lot of similarities in his sounds with Crowded House, which we'll talk about a little bit later. Um, it also has this light psychedelic Beatles sensibility to, uh, about it. And, uh, and then as I was learning more about Elliot Smith, I discovered that he, uh, he died at 35. Uh, it was very, uh, very sad. And, um, is that part of uh, the meaningfulness to you or what is, what is the meaningfulness in the song to you? Well, yeah, his death was a very, very sad moment for all of his fans as he seemed to be in a really productive phase and so creative yet simultaneously it was known that he had many demons and bouts of depression. So I think that his composition lyrics and layered harmonies and intricate guitar playing are somewhat introspective, uh, you know, in his mind space, but Mm -hmm. also they're quite beautiful to hear because they are many times there's a lot of melancholy. Uh, all, Mm -hmm. All of his, all of his life comes through in his songs. And that's what I think makes them really special to me. I, I love listening to his music. Larry and I had a great opportunity to see him live twice, okay. once electric and once acoustic, and I really treasure those memories. Do you seek out his music? Do you put it on at certain times, or is it more like you might hear something uh, from it in the background somewhere? Well, <laughs> so here's the funny thing about all three songs that I've selected, which is that they fall into the category of music you will hear when shopping in a store. Okay. <laughs> um, so I would say that I do enjoy listening to his music. Uh, and I do not get sad listening to it now that it's been so many years since his death. But I do hear his songs um, out and about because okay. they are probably part of the genre of easy listening. Okay. So the, like the Trader Joe's list kind of thing. Or the Bed Bath & Beyond list. Oh, okay. Or the, you know, <laughs> yeah. it, just the, I, it, people used to call it Muzak, Muzak you know, the elevator uh, music. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. I don't judge it. I just simply think, well, I must have good taste. If someone decided that (laughs) this was something that a store employee would have to listen to on repeat and wouldn't go out of their mind, then it must be a relatively good song. Ellen, the next song on the list is Sean Colvin's Shotgun Down the Avalanche. So let's take a listen to that, and then we'll talk about it on the other side. Hello, podcast listener. 
To experience this episode with music included, please visit our website, aaronsradio.show, where you can stream all episodes. Ellen, this song is really beautiful, and like the instrumentation is sparse, and of course, uh, her voice is like its own instrument in the song. I, I found it very calming, but each time I listen to it, like the, the lyrics sound more pointed, and I wonder if the lyrics kind of belie the calm nature of the tune. Um, you know, what inspired you to add this to your uh, to your list? Well, first off, Sean Colvin is really great at pairing meaningful meaningful lyrics with beautiful electric and acoustic guitars. And in this song, maybe a mandolin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as you mentioned, with her in- incredible voice, I-, I think the lyrics really paint a picture, uh, as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot about snow. And then you think of an avalanche and you think of the chugging progression that runs through the song and how snow might begin to be that progression. Mm-hmm. But it's true. When you begin to listen to the lyrics, the lyrics sound like there's strife and conflict and an inability to resolve something. So, yes, the I think you're right that the, the, the guts of the song and the lyrics are kind of at odds with the beauty or maybe it's bittersweet. And so the beauty is part of it. I would say that this song is definitely one that repeats in my mind from time to time, just the, the the tune and sometimes the lyrics. I'm always in awe of female singer songwriters. It seems like for a long time, it was a man's world in the music industry and women made inroads only by being strong and resilient and working the system as best they could. I could name you probably 25 female artists that you know had to break barriers to get their music heard. But now these same women are part of the canon of folk and standard music. So I would include Sean Colvin in that list. Her albums were in my CD rack and on my self-compiled mixtapes when I was in my late 20s. And I was starting to work really hard at becoming a grown-up. And I just think that the sound of her music always resonated with me. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, I have I've heard of her, but I don't recall any particular music I've heard by her. I may have heard songs by her, but one thing that I'm really enjoying about this uh, this radio show show format is is it's exposing me to songs that uh, now want me make me want to go back and listen to a catalog by uh, by an artist. And um, if this song is uh, emblematic of of uh, you know just the the the, the uh, instrumentation and production and lyrics, then, um, then I want to go and listen to more of her, more of her stuff. The, uh, the last song in the set is, uh, some, a song I'm very excited about including. And this is the, uh, the first song, uh, by Split Ends on Aaron's radio show. And, uh, we'll talk a lot about, about Split Ends in a moment. Uh, this song is called Message to My Girl. And we'll talk about it, uh, after we take a listen. Hello, podcast listener. To experience this episode with music included, please visit our website, aaronsradio.show, where you can stream all episodes. Ellen, I'm certain that you and I went to at least one Crowded House concert together. And um, I mean, I had heard Split End's music on MTV, and I'm sure you did in the early 80s. Um, 
But Crowded House, which included Neil Finn and eventually Tim Finn from Split Ends, they captured me on their own merits, and they were a powerhouse of of wonderful songwriting and production. Um, but of course, I digress, because this song is from Split Ends. Um, it is really a soothing and beautiful tune. I feel like all of your choices have an understated beauty and calmness in their simplicity. Uh, so uh, you tell me, why is this song on your list? Well, first of all, it's all those synthesizers and synth drum beats. Okay. What a time we had in the 80s with those in every song by Duran Duran and the rest of the crowd. I was just out of college in the early 80s, and I really loved the energy of Split Ends. Mm -hmm. Uh, and as you mentioned, it was followed by Crowded House. Uh, and it was really challenging. I could have picked my top 15 songs just within Split Ends and Crowded House, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, for my desert, uh, my desert island discs. Yeah, exactly. Um, so this was a hard choice, but I do think that, um, this song is less complicated than the future songs by Neil Finn and Crowded House. And it is really simple and it has lovely lyrics and it's kind of at the end, it swells with boldness as it reaches its, its final moments, which kind of feels almost celebratory. So this song just makes me happy. That's, mm -hmm. that's mm -hmm. it. I, I, I love, I love everything about it and it's just, it's just a nice song. Yeah. And, and, and go ahead. I agree with you that all three of my songs were calming. And I think knowing myself and my brain that I tend to be a perfectionist or I really dig in to get something done. And I think that listening to calming songs is a way that I self-soothe. I always have. I just don't usually pick music that is going to be more intense than whatever I'm experiencing mm -hmm. in that moment. Mm -hmm. I, I don't look to music to be that way for me. Mm -hmm. um, and, and thinking back to this, these selections, um, so is there anything that you would like to share about the individual selections or, or something that maybe you're, um, uh, you've experienced or, um, can imagine is some kind of, like you were saying, some kind of connective tissue between these three songs? I think the songs are linked by the time period in which they were created and their styles in some way, um, connect them to their, genres, you know, singer songwriter, kind of folksy, um, more kind of like synth pop, uh, group, and then more of a, an individual kind of moody. I'm writing and this is how I'm working out the depression in my life. Uh -huh, I don't know. Uh -huh. yeah. You know, I think each, <laughs> each piece kind of connects it to the person that created it as well as yes. the time in, in which it was created. Um, is there anything else you'd like to add? Sure. Well, I think I really need to give a shout out to Larry uh, to thank him for some of them. I have a lot of respect for him and what he's brought to my musical world since we met in the late 1990s. He is very curious about music and sound in general. He's 
continually discovering different artists. So he's always got something playing. And he's introduced me to a wide variety of music, including jazz, lounge, surf, and electronic music, and a variety of interesting artists such as Elliot Smith, Wilco, Fiona Apple, Oranger, Goldfrapp, and even noisy bands such as Sleater Kinney and Sonic Youth. Um, and I introduced him to music from the Jayhawks, Sean Colvin, Suddenly Tammy, and Neil Finn, among others. Mm-hmm. So our combined tastes make for a great playlist when we're on our road trip. And also bringing up a young son who's now a teenager, he's been listening to all of our music. And I think even though it might not be his go-to music, he certainly appreciates the breadth and depth of the listening that Larry and I do and what we have playing during the day or evening. And and there's there's so many more songs out there than any one of us have heard or will be able to hear in our entire lifetime um unless we just listen to music like every single moment of the day it it does underscore that like uh getting influenced by others into what they're into uh really is uh, a remarkable way of, of of expanding our own um uh our own horizons uh of of music yeah, Aaron, I, I really agree with you on that. I think we all have our own tastes, but there's something to be said for being open to hearing someone else's music, just like we're always saying that uh, in a conversation, if you truly listen to the other person and find the commonality, that you can at least begin to see that you're both human and that there are things you share, even if you have different likes or perspectives or beliefs. And I think music's the same way. So having heard the things that Larry listens to, um, I've, I've, I've expanded my listening potential. Uh, and there's stuff that he listens to that I'm not a big fan of, but no one's making me listen to it. Mm-hmm. He's listening to it in his headset. So, you know, it's, it, right. I think, <laughs> I think it all helps us grow to, <laughs> To sometimes step outside of our comfort zone. We don't have to stay there, but it's good to go there sometimes and, and experience something new. So um, there's a lot to be gained by by listening to others' music as well. Yeah, I, I agree completely. Um, and I often, often see people on Facebook asking others to recommend stuff for them to listen to. So I think that's that's a great thing to uh, – a way to expand your music horizons. I want to thank you again, Ellen. This was a lot of fun. I I had a good time. Uh, I did too. It was great to chat yeah. about music. And I want to thank you again for uh, taking time to uh, to be on the program. And I look forward to talking to Larry on the program uh, sometime in the future. And uh, to my listeners, um, if you want to be part of the show, start by going to our website, aaronsradio.show, and clicking on the My Three Songs button on the homepage. So until next time, keep your ears and mind open and let more music into your world. You're listening to Aaron's Radio Show.